Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 245. Our lovely guest today is the pop singer-songwriter from Suffolk in the UK, it's Dylan. She's in Australia this week promoting her brilliant mixtape, The Greatest Thing I'll Never Learn. We had the opportunity to spend some time with her earlier in the week and she very kindly joined us for her very first podcast. Before we get into our chat with Dylan, please make sure you subscribe to this pod, head to whichever app you're currently listening to this podcast episode on and make sure you're subscribed. While you're there, follow and like us across all of our socials like Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Uh, We released our newest YouTube episode with Muna last week and it's been receiving such great reviews since. Thank you all for watching, commenting, sending DMs. It is very much appreciated. We are filming some new ones very soon, so please make sure you subscribe across all of those socials. Our guest today, as mentioned earlier, is Dylan. The pop singer-songwriter has been writing music ever since she was little and she was raised on a healthy diet of her parents' music taste, including quite a bit of classic rock, uh, making it in there at the beginning. She taught herself how to play instruments, which we do discuss in this episode, which allowed her to write music in a unique way when it did come to songwriting. She started releasing music back in 2019, but has seen her popularity pretty much soar ever since then over the last few years. Uh, she spent the last 12 months touring with artists like Tate McRae, Ed Sheeran and Bastille. Late last year, she released the deluxe version of her mixtape, The Greatest Thing I'll Never Learn, which includes new songs and live tracks from her headlining performance at Coco in London. In today's episode, we're talking to Dylan about her songwriting process growing up compared to her process now. We talk about why social media is not good for creativity and why it helps to put the phone down every now and again. Um, We have a chat about whether we'll be receiving any new music from her at any point this year, uh, which is exciting for what she does advise us of, but I'll let you listen to the episode and Obviously, she is currently in Australia. She's not playing any shows on this trip, but we do press Dylan for any news surrounding some Australian shows. Um, Again, we'll let her inform you of this news when you listen to the podcast. We've put all of the links to Dylan's social media plus links to her performance at Coco in the show notes of this episode. So if you want anything to do with her, um, all her socials, where you can listen to her music and where you can watch her performance will be in the episode show notes. We do want to also say a massive thank you to Danielle from Universal Music Australia for her help with this episode. Let's get into it. This is our chat with Dylan. Dylan. 
welcome to This Song Is Yours, Dylan. Hello. Hello. Firstly, welcome to the podcast, but also welcome to Australia. You're here with us in uh, in Sydney, I believe. I am indeed. First time. How are you finding it so far? I think you've only, have you only been in for a day or so? Yeah. So we arrived yesterday morning um, after a very, very long flight. It was long. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, had a little wander around yesterday. It's gorgeous, although it's now raining, which I'm I'm not I'm not mad at. I kind of like the rain. Well, I think that um, what was it? Anyone that does follow you on social media, I think you were kind of um, not sure how to dress for the sunnier weather. So maybe this is us welcoming you, trying to be a little bit more accommodating, <laughs> making me feel like home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you are here in support of your brilliant mixtape, The Greatest Thing I'll Never Learn. Um, Firstly, congratulations on this uh, collection of songs. It is a beautiful collection. Thank you very much. Of course. uh, Firstly, and I'm not sure if this, it might just be me, um, does that feeling of releasing music and knowing that people halfway around the world are listening to it, does that feeling kind of ever change or get normal to yourself? No. I mean, maybe one day it will. Um, I tell you, when we landed yesterday, I sort of stepped outside the airport and had the weirdest, like, feeling, like, emotional feeling. I wasn't quite sure what it was. Maybe it was tiredness. But um, <laughs> just even being here, being completely ridiculous to me. Because <laughs> I didn't... I, I think that, you know, when you first start doing music it's very much for yourself. Like songwriting is very much a therapy thing. It's a coping mechanism. And I'm not sure I thought anyone was really going to ever listen to it. So the fact that sort of four years on now I'm here and that people are listening to it over here is just, it's definitely pushing the boundary in my head. (laughs) It is. Well, I know that your music is being very well received here and it appears that it's being very well received across the globe as well. So congratulations on that as well. In terms of what you just kind of mentioned, therapy, I know that this did kind of start as a way to maybe address certain feelings or, or do whatever it may be to help you kind of process things and that fans have in the last four years reached out and and let you know that it has been well received in almost their therapy as well. Does that feeling ever get normal as well? The fact that you know you're helping people with these words that resonate with them so well. I think that part, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's been so strange. Like I just got off a tour. Um, I was touring Europe and um, it was incredible to see the rooms of people and the people that, you know, with the mixtape being out, obviously not every song is a single and having them scream the songs that aren't necessarily the ones that are streaming the best like every single word and it just really goes to show that you know being emotional and feeling stuff is so normal um and I think especially when I was growing up it was very much a frowned upon thing like being too overly emotional or feeling every high and every low was almost frowned upon Um, and so I think like being in these rooms, it has started to get wonderfully normal. And I think that's the way it should be. Like everyone's going through something in those rooms. Like I think what we all share is some form of trauma um, and we're making it into a good thing. 100%. And I, I do love, I think it was, what was it? The Anyone who's listening to this podcast, I'll make sure we put the um, the links in the show notes. You can see that the 
I guess, yeah, the way that these songs are resonating with fans in your performance at, is it Coco in London? Yes. Yes. Some of the fans in those videos are just, they are, they're screaming these lyrics back to you, which is, I'd, I'd find lovely because I think it's obviously a great fan connection that you have with them. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, that was last November now, um, which is insane. Like to hear the volume change in those shows compared to the ones I just did has been like <laughs> substantially like just crazy. Um, but they're, they're an amazing group of people, like genuinely uh, some of the greatest people that I've ever met. That's incredible. And look, to be honest, I'm sure that these rooms are only going to continue to grow, um, which I want to touch on a little bit later in the episode. But for now, um, I was hoping to touch on, you mentioned before, even from when you were little, that that's kind of what the plan was in terms of songwriting or connecting. I know that you've been writing and you have said in press in in a non-pretentious way, but that you've been writing since uh, you were seven, I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, this is my favorite thing ever because when I say it, I really, really mean not in a pretentious way at all because the songs I was writing at seven up until I was about eighteen were just like awful. <laughs> and a lot of my um, artist friends that I've sort of you know become close with, they've all been writing from a similar amount of time, but the difference is is that when they were sort of 15 and 16, they were getting signed and they were much more able to form a song than I was. (laughs) I still get embarrassed listening to the songs that I was doing at like 18. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think that is? Is it that there's just a shift in how you've written or is it just kind of the, the content matter or what do you think it is? I think... A, I'm way more honest about stuff now. Like, mm-hmm. I think something that runs true in all of my songs is I don't tend to hide behind any smoke or mirrors, especially in the last two projects. Um, I just, I much prefer just to put it out how it how it is, say it how it is, like not hide behind anything. Whereas when I was a kid, it was very metaphorical and very <laughs> dark and mysterious, which, you know, I used to think that I was pretty dark and mysterious, but I'm very much not (laughs) (laughs) as much as I'd like to be. I feel like it's way cooler if you're dark and mysterious, but no, I just bounce off walls consistently. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is something almost in your teenage years that there's this, um, allure to like mystery or being mysterious. And then when you get to your twenties, you're like, no, I just want to be happy or whatever it is that I want to be. Yeah. There's only so long you can hide stuff for before, you know, people see straight through it. 100%. And I think that, uh, as you said, you do, and your lyrics are quite um, honest. I think there was another press clip where you said, um, it's pretty much imagine that you've had a few drinks and then speaking how you feel, that that's how you kind of best describe your lyrics. Exactly. It's just word vomit. <laughs> it seems to work. It is, it is a... <laughs> Thankfully. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how, the, sure how the people that I am writing the songs about are feeling about it, but, um, you know, at least I'm feeling great about it. <laughs> exactly. That's all that matters. We are not, we are not talking about them. <laughs> um, for, for you, are you a lyrics person first or a melody person first? I mean, I feel like I, I've, I've never been able to answer this question very well because... Mm. I am rather like my music. I am so all over the place all of the time. Like I have far too much energy for my own good and my brain goes about 10 times faster than I do. Um, so when it comes to writing music, 
I'd like to say that it's lyrics first, but sometimes it is just the other way around. I think when it comes to crafting a song, I care the most about lyrics, but it's, it's whatever my brain can like pin down first when it comes to the actual writing, whether it be melody or the lyric. It's, it's a very, very chaotic experience writing music for me. We've spoken to a few artists recently where a lot of them seem to just have like uh, random words or phrases thrown into a notebook or their notes app. Is that the yes. same for yourself? Yeah, I've got a, um, I've got, I'm on my third book of dreams. So I have, well, I don't know why I call them the book of dreams, but I'm very much a pen to paper kind of person because it's much easier for me to like, again, word vomit all over a page than it is into my notes app. Like I think also like staying away from your phone when you're writing is, it's very key unless you're using rhyme zone, which is <laughs> God knows saving all of our careers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I think that there is, there's something that's still very nice about writing in a physical book and having that tangible kind of thing there instead of it's very easy to get distracted on your phone, write something in your notes and then play a game, social media, whatever it may be. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Completely yeah. agree. <laughs> it, it, makes, it makes it better, I think. Yes, 100% agree. Um, when you did start writing music, to my understanding, is that you were self-taught on the guitar and piano. Indeed. Do you remember kind of what... Um, I guess, drew you to those instruments and, and how you found that process of, of self-learning? Because I imagine that there's both pros and cons with that. I was drawn to, I mean, we, we had a, a piano in my childhood home. And um, so naturally, as a kid, I was drawn to that. When it came to guitar, because I think, you know, guitar is now my main instrument, but I didn't pick it up until later. My dad basically brought me up on a lot of classic rock Um and obviously that's a lot of very cool people with a guitar slung around their neck. And that was all I wanted to be. I mean, I am so incredibly well-trained at air guitar um, <laughs> that actually it does a disservice to my actual guitar playing. But I think, I mean, I was so drawn to it because of that. My dad kind of, you know, he had guitars lying around. He wasn't very good. He can't play in time for, like for anything. <laughs> and he is tone deaf. Um, but I just, I loved the idea of it. And when it came to actually teaching myself, it came from a huge place of stubbornness. Like I was just, 
a bit of a an annoying stubborn kid my um mom had tried to get me to like take piano lessons and then my dad soon later tried to make me take guitar lessons but I was having none of it like just none of it like I was saying why do I need someone else to teach me when I can teach myself which now I actually do slightly regret (laughs) because I think I'd be a lot better (laughs) I I do like the determination though and and the kind of thought process of why do I need someone to monitor me doing this when I can easily do it myself, mm. as you said? Um, and I'm I'm curious as well because there is elements of rock and classic rock within the the Dylan sound. Where did what was it? I did read somewhere that you did grow up on um, like Guns N' Roses and I think ACDC. Yes. So for those listening, how did you kind of get to the sound of where you are now? And and is there a alternate universe where we've got like ACDC Dylan where it's just flat hardcore rock (laughs) I think I mean I've been writing a lot of music recently Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe some of the stuff that is to come might might shock a few people (laughs) (laughs) hey shock's always good but I think I don't know um because like having a childhood where I was just obsessed with that um and then you know when you start rebelling against your parents at like 13 14 that was when I started turning to like electronic stuff electronic music and then very late to the party found Taylor Swift at about 14 15 and Taylor writes I mean rather like every I mean she's carved a path for every female artist out there like there is not, I don't think there's a single female artist that can say that they haven't been inspired by that woman. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing her music, which actually was another massive turning point in my writing, like actually telling a story. I was like, oh my God, like this is it's unheard of. Like I can actually put my, my life into a story into these songs because, you know, Aerosmith songs are very much like, oh, I love in an elevator. Like that's very... <laughs> Like, you're not really going to get a 13-year-old girl writing songs about <laughs> Hopefully not, no. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I was very, I was in denial of the rock side of me then after hearing pop music for the first time because I was like, pop music is the one. Like, I love it. Um, and really, really got into that until I was sort of 18, 19 when I started doing this. And then entering the music industry I was like right I have to be everyone but myself in order to be successful here and ran away from all of my roots everything that I loved and then after we went into lockdown it kind of because I was with my family for the whole of it it forced me back into a place of okay I'm playing air guitar on the kitchen table again with my dad except this time with a lot of white wine um so coming out of that I was like why why have I been trying to not like take these roots into my music for so long and I was kind of like oh screw it let's just do it and (laughs) since then it's just slowly been weaving itself into everything and especially with the new stuff the stuff that I've been writing it's it's everything that I've been dreaming about doing as a kid like the music is finally going into the place where that I can imagine it live like I know what rooms I can fill with it and I know how it will make people feel I know how it'll make me feel on stage because Ultimately, I am the biggest wannabe rock star that you'll find. <laughs> I do love that, and I'm very excited for that new music. Um, obviously, 
we've talked about the mixtape and I don't want to get yourself, myself or anyone else into trouble. Can we expect any new music this year or is this, it will be a surprise when it, when it does come. I, you can definitely expect something this year. Yeah. That's very exciting. I'll take whatever we can get. I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, I very quickly wanted to talk about the most recent single, Every Heart But Mine, is a be- beautiful track. It's included on the deluxe mixtape and it features, I believe, a few of your friends, yes. uh, Kat Burns, May Muller, um, and a few others. How did the kind of song come about and how did you get those those friends involved? So I wrote that song maybe, what, a year and a half ago? Um so it was actually kind of the first song to be written for the mixtape. And it was one that I kept coming back to because um, I wrote it with a guy, a long-term collaborator called King Ed, who I did a lot of the mixtape with. Um, I wrote it, it was one of the first couple of songs that we wrote. And it was on a day where we had one hot day in London and I managed to get heat stroke, so I couldn't go into the studio. It was just as we were coming out um, from lockdown and people were allowed to go into sessions again. And I got so sick. I was like properly grown up. And I said to him, I don't want to not do the session. So um, can we just do it on Zoom? So like every 15 minutes I was running off to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and I was like, I just really want to write something really rock and roll. And um, one of like the biggest, bigger songs of my childhood was a song called All Right Now by Free. And I was like, I want to have my one of those. Like, why can't I just repeat one line over over (laughs) again in the chorus? And that's what we came out with. And honestly, I mean, I love that song. It just, especially playing it live. Um, And we sort of finished it up because we're like, yeah, this is, this is good. We can put this out there. Um, But it's such like a, it's got like such a punch to it. And I really felt like my vocals weren't cutting through enough. Which I feel like is a good thing because I'm not the strongest singer in the world. Like I feel like there's strength in my writing and there's strength in um, how all over the place I am and how people relate to that. But I'm never going to be the best singer in the world. And I was very lucky that um, I've met a few artists on the way to where I am now. And um, a lot of them I sort of reached out to because it's it's strange in the music industry. It's very lonely. Um, and especially with these incredible female artists, I think they were all feeling the same thing where, because we are all in competition with each other, um, it's quite hard to like get over that and just make friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started reaching out to a few of them being like, let's go for a drink. Like, let's just go and cause some chaos together. And um, a lot of those girls sort of had been around for dinner at mine and we'd had a good little gossip about things. And I reached out to them being like, would you mind forming a little choir to make this a bit more punchy? And we all went into the studio together. It was actually uh, all of our last sessions from last year. So it was our last day of work before we all went home for Christmas uh, in December last year. And oh my God, it was the best day ever. We had so much fun and all of them have got such different voices. I mean, they're all lead singers, which is what makes it what it is. Like the, the, the tonality and the strength and, you know, how some of them could go ridiculously high and like Kak has got the most incredible, like low voice. Um, it just was perfect. I do love that. It is a gorgeous track and you can hear, you can hear almost like the personalities of the choir, if that makes sense. I know that, Anyone who's listening to this, please go and listen to the track so my last statement makes somewhat sense so I don't sound like a crazy person. Um, (laughs) Dylan, I know, as we mentioned, you are here in Australia. 
at the moment uh, doing press. Is there any chance, again, not to get anyone in trouble, that we might see you back here at some point this year playing some shows? I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. This this year is is very, very packed. Like yes. I'm one of those people that has a lot planned always. <laughs> um, I'm hoping to, but if if not this year, then very early next year. Beautiful. Again, we will take what we can get. We are not going to to push our luck with that. Um, lastly, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. I know you said, obviously, very long flight. Uh, is there anything that you're currently listening to on repeat or something that's got your um, fancy at the moment? On repeat? Oh, tell you what, I, um, I've always been a massive 1975 fan. Mm-hmm. But I can't, once I stopped being able to get tickets because they blew up, because I, I was there from when I was like 11 years old. Um, once I stopped getting, being able to buy tickets because they were always so, you know, sold out. Mm-hmm. I kind of stopped listening to them for like two years and then got back into them recently and went to see their show in London, the one that Taylor Swift came to. And so I've been listening to a lot of their albums and um, is it, what is it? If, it? if you're too shy, let me know. That song. Oh my God. I can't stop playing it. <laughs> it's like a proper on repeat, on repeat. That song is an absolute bop. I'm not sure how long are you in in Australia for. They actually start their tour end of this week, I believe. I leave on Friday morning. Oh, damn! It's a short day. day. Very short. (laughs) Uh, But next time. (laughs) No, look, that is a brilliant choice. That song is an absolute bop. Um, But thank you again, Dylan, so much for coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it. Thank you me my absolute pleasure congratulations on the mixtape the single all your success um and we do look forward to seeing you whenever that may be maybe next year very soon don't worry Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.